Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Well, hi, here I am again. Here you are. Here's the frog in my throat. Everything's just like it's supposed to be. It's, uh, what, March 24th. Good God. Well, I'll tell you. There are definitely signs of things getting back to normal, really, more and more, you know, and and maybe, you know, because the weather has uh, truly begun to change. There's flowers out when you take a walk. Um, Life seems to be returning to at least some semblance of, of what maybe existed before, <laughs> before. Uh, yeah, I mean, schools are now reopening, um, or if not, certainly intending to. Um, I see more people in restaurants. States are lifting some of the, uh, some of the restrictions on how many people can you know be in with so it's like you know this is the america that maybe we knew and then to put a capper on it we've had uh two mass shootings in uh just uh six days and if that is not an indication that america is back i don't know what is everything seems just like it used to you know, I remember somebody jokingly saying that, you know, the one good thing about the pandemic is because there are no crowds anywhere and the schools are closed. There's no mass shootings. Ah, yeah. Well, as I said, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Things are loosening up. And so... We have mass shootings, and we'll have school shootings, too, right? Don't mean to be such a bummer, but um, that's what I was thinking yesterday, and I spared you the, uh, <laughs> the, that kind of an intro to the show, but I was thinking it. I don't know. This country is just so stuck uh, in in so many ways and incapable of dealing with things that it needs, we need to deal with. I'll give you like the state of Texas as an example. There have been more mass shootings in the last two years in Texas, mass shootings in Texas in the last two years, than any cases of voter fraud. Think about that. Texas is one of the states that has been uh, most vociferous about uh, election integrity, meaning, of course, anything but, meaning you've got to keep those black folks, black folks from voting. So uh, there it is. 
the people of Texas live in a state in which their uh, leadership, their political leadership, feels that clearly they have to spend a lot of time dealing with something that doesn't exist, voter fraud. Oh, man, there's commissions. There's so many bills. There's uh, op-eds and outcries. There's constant, constant talking about it on right-wing media. Meanwhile, the fact that there are fewer cases of voter fraud that have been uncovered in a state that wants to find it, fewer cases than there have been mass shootings in the same period of time. <clears throat> I'm just saying. And I just saw a little item that the guy who is charged with the Boulder uh, shooting, grocery store shooting, was born before Columbine, three days before Columbine, which shows, again, <laughs> why am I laughing? Uh, yeah, shows again how we as a country just refuse, absolutely refuse adamantly. We've got our, we've got our arms crossed across our chests. We've got, we've got our eyes closed and our brows furrowed and we're stuck. We got to protect them guns that we love so much and whatever it is they stand for, for so many people. Oh, excuse me, I know what they stand for for so many people in America. Freedom. That's right. People look at a gun and they see the symbol of freedom. We're doomed. Hey, okay, that's that. I want <laughs> let's not let's not even bother because now we all we know the drill, remember? We haven't done it for a while, but it just it's like riding a bike. We know the drill. Now we're going to talk a lot about, yes, the Democrats will talk about gun control. And, uh, yeah, and the, we know, right? And uh, there will be more, excuse me, shootings, mass shootings. During the pandemic, we were left, uh, you know, really pretty much a lot of killings happened during the pandemic, but they were pretty much, you know, little minuscule kinds of shootings of people in, you know, the American uh, sets, piddling, one-on-one, -on -one, you know, maybe two people taken out. What, there were a few cases, I remember three or four, but they've all been, you know, that's nothing. That doesn't even get our attention. And as Americans, we have become so inured to death, to the death of other Americans who've done nothing wrong, the people in the massage parlor, the people in the grocery store, the people dying in hospitals of COVID, none of them did anything to die. I mean, not didn't bring it on themselves in large part, in any part. But our governmental policies, <laughs> they did. And we won't acknowledge that. Okay, I'm done. I said that before, didn't I? I came right back.
hey, I wonder since the guy in by want to see here I, I came back. I just but I do wonder. The guy in uh, Atlanta was um apprehended after a I guess uh, they got him on the highway, um, but they they didn't kill him. They didn't even shoot him. They didn't even. I don't even think they screamed at him, because <laughs> you know he was white. And um, I I got an email. Uh, I think it was from Ed, right, uh, a few days ago, saying, "Hey, you don't suppose that that guy had been black that." Uh, alive to uh, stand trial, do you? No, I don't. But let's look at the difference in how uh, media and others talk about these two shooters. <laughs> the one, a good Christian, in fact, driven by his religion's constricts to do what he did, in part, in part. And this other guy now, oh dear, as soon as I saw his name, I thought, uh-oh. Yeah, he got one of those names, and uh-huh, he is a Muslim. Oh, 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 Muslim with a gun versus white guy with a gun. Both mowing down innocent people. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm just saying, watch that play out. This is the funniest headline, changing subjects, I really, uh, this is the funniest headline I have seen in uh, some time. <laughs> oh, here it is, I'll just read it. It's from today's New York Times. Post office plan calls for slower delivery and higher prices. <laughs> How's that for a business model, huh? Yeah, I read an article about this uh, yesterday about how the Board of Governors, which, by the way, um, has one more Democrat on it now than Republicans, and they're the only ones who can get rid of this, is his name DeJoy, who's now the Postmaster General who Trump put in to help cook the election a little bit. Um Biden can't get rid of the Postmaster General, interestingly enough. Only the Board of Governors can. And apparently the Board of Governors signed off on uh, this plan, <laughs> which, I mean, I know the post office isn't a business. I know it's not. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a national service. It's the postal service. But um, it is starved for funding by the government always has been, held to different standards, always sort of crippled. It's it's just amazing the more you learn about it. But I mean, come on, this headline is just, you know, I, yeah, this sounds like a great idea. Let's slow down delivery, but jack up the prices paid, people have to pay for the service. So they're saying even a first class uh, letter they're only going to, uh, I guess now it's supposed to arrive within two days. Now it'll be who knows when, but the price of that letter will be going up. <laughs> oh, 
Man, get your forever stamps right now. Grab them. Bree, I was being mostly sarcastic. Bree has written, what? You say we're getting back to normal? What? The virus and its mutations are all over the place. People should be cautious and safe. Uh, yeah, the U UK is finding holiday travelers. I, I see friends' photos online, and you don't understand how they're going about things as normal. Things are not normal. That is correct. You are absolutely correct. But they're a little more normal. I mean, a case in point, I actually, yeah, um, I went to a restaurant. I haven't been in a restaurant in a year. So little things, little things. And then, as I said, you know, wow, two mass shootings in, 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 in one week. And um, that feels like normal. Bree, you've been gone too long. I mean, when that, when I realize, oh my God, we've got 18 people dead. We're coming back. I was being mostly, you know, sarcastic. But I take your point. And in that regard, uh, David Leonhardt, who I I read in the morning because he writes a, a uh, online column called The Morning. And uh, he he said, well, he did he did say, but he is quoting a study that was done by researchers looking at how media have covered the pandemic, but looking at it through uh, some kind of who knows what algorithm, I guess they have, a database that analyzes language um, and classifies the language of the reporting as either neutral or positive or negative, okay? And what they found was really interesting. American media are outliers in global media in terms of how they have covered the pandemic, um, very little, very little stories on the optimistic end. <laughs> and you could say, well, uh, yeah, people were dying. It was a pandemic. People were terrified, blah, 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 right. But in the rest of the world, it turns out, there were more either neutral or positive stories. And I'd give you all the numbers, but it, 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 it's really pretty astonishing. 87% um, of COVID coverage in uh, national media in the U.S. And we're talking about newspapers, major newspapers. We're talking about CNN and MSNBC and Fox. Fox, too, was mostly negative, amazingly. A little less so than... CNN and MSNBC, but not a lot. And in other countries, internationally, that number, so we're 87% negative. That's what we have ingested. Internationally, it's 
So half the stories internationally were either neutral or positive. The vast majority of stories in the United States were like, you know, uh, major your gut twist made you anxious. And Leonhardt says this, you know, if we are constantly telling a negative story, we are not necessarily giving our readers or our audience the most accurate portrait of reality. We are shading it. He's talking to fellow media. We're doing a really good job telling you why COVID is rising and how the vaccines are imperfect, but not such a good job of explaining why cases are falling someplace or how the vaccine is saving lives. We don't, our media don't choose to focus on the positive and ultimately trying to figure out why the U.S. is an outlier, U.S. media in this way, other than our obvious exceptionalism, is this. The U.S. media is giving its audience what it expects, what it wants. We have, well, they say what it wants. I would say we've been trained. (laughs) We have been well-trained by media to want news that makes our heart pound. We don't, and what you can tell, I mean, they, they have the numbers, what we're drawn to, what we watch, what we listen to, right? And because of that, because of our addiction to things that scare us and negativity, media keeps it doing more of it, and it becomes a vicious circle. It's exactly like what I've maintained. I saw with my own eyes happen while I was in television. This would be in the 80s and uh, 90s. That the television's concern that their audience was not as educated as they were led to them um, dumbing down. In other words, uh, they couldn't use big words. (laughs) If you were writing a story, they'd be taken out and put in, you know, something, three letters. Uh, You couldn't, it it was just this thing. That's why all of a sudden, you know, stories got shorter and shorter and shorter because there was a sense that the attention span of the average American was, you know, akin to uh, a gnat, I'll do the usual. And obviously what that did was just create an America with a smaller vocabulary <laughs> and a shorter attention span. And, and now somewhat addicted to negative takes on whatever's going on. Um, Leonhard ends it by saying, you know, in this modern era of journalism, and he says, I'll date that roughly to Vietnam and Watergate. And that is, you know, after Watergate, uh, journalism 
was considered like an extraordinary uh, profession. I mean, journalists were heroes. And a lot of people came into the field then. So he says, tend to, since Vietnam and Watergate, media tend to equate impact of their stories with exposing problems, asking tough questions of being, you know, attack dogs. And there are, he says, really good reasons for that because we got a ton of politicians <laughs> and business executives that, and, that are always trying to spin things in a positive way. And the media began to feel that it was its job to really question everything they said. Um, the job of a journalist is to cut through the self-promotion in the public and private sector and to get to the truth. And so the sense of media is, if we aren't going to tell you the bad news, then you can surely bet nobody else is going to. Um, I don't know. The funny thing is, is that this piece also ran in the print edition under the um, headline of the pandemic is a grim story, but is bad news the only kind? And right above it were two stories about the pandemic that were negative. <laughs> one, one, a real, a real killer, uh, no pun intended, about how some people who've had the vaccine have still gotten COVID. And the article points out, it is such a minuscule group. But this is the kind of thing that our media do all the time. They don't ever let you rest. Uh, stop here. I don't know. Where going. Um, oh. I got to share this with you because it's just one of those things that I read about. It was in a book review I was reading and um, I just learned so much in the, in the review of the book. <laughs> I do this a lot where I, then I never read the book. I get this little, you know, kernel, wonderful gem. And I think, wow, that's good enough for me. Anyway, the book is called Flight of the Diamond Smugglers. And wow, I mean, first of all, first of all, the review starts out by telling me something I really didn't know. You know why diamonds are, you know, considered like the most amazing jewel, you know, a diamond. Diamonds are forever. Diamonds are pricey. Diamonds are signs of our love. Diamonds are this. It turns out that the cartels that mined diamonds, almost all in South Africa, by the way, on the west coast of the country, <coughs> happened upon the idea of scarcity as a winning 
business strategy. A lot better than the post office. Yeah. The diamond mining business is built on a total lie, which is that diamonds are scarce. And because of their scarcity, they are precious and extremely valuable. And so because the cartels sort of controlled the diamond industry, they were able to perpetuate what the reviewer calls this inconceivably lucrative fiction. And they did it, obviously, by limiting <laughs> how many diamonds got out there. So they created the so-called scarcity. And, and then they worried, obviously, if you're doing that, if that's your business model, what are you going to then be most concerned about? You're going to be most concerned about black market, about smugglers, about somebody getting their hands on what you're holding back. And putting it out there into the marketplace. So what these cartels did in South Africa is they essentially talk about a company town. They created entire, I mean, yeah, they built cities for their miners to work in, to stay in. Some were forbidden from ever leaving. At the mines themselves, there were x-ray machines as soon as they became available. Constant pat-downs. And get this, even random application of powerful laxatives given to the miners to make sure they weren't swallowing the diamonds. Those that were caught, well, I won't even go there. So I said this was on the west coast of South Africa. This, So there was a huge portion of the west coast of that country that was actually called the forbidden zone. I mean, you couldn't go there. It was a virtual no-go zone that remained closed to the public for nearly 80 years. It didn't even begin to open up until 2007. So the miners lived in the employer's houses, sent their kids to the schools the employer provided and even get this miners who would die on the job were buried there their bodies were never returned back to their families outside the, of the zone just in case their bodies would be stuffed with diamonds on the way out. 
but diamonds did get out. Not a lot, but they got out thanks to what in the book is called, aside from the dog, no other animal has been as useful to us human beings. The pigeon. The pigeon. I mean, if you think about, yes, the pigeon, we use them in war. We use them, I mean, we, boy, did we use these birds. We destroyed an entire species, right? We don't even understand how the hell when you release a pigeon hundreds and hundreds of miles away from where it's where you want it to go. <laughs> um, we don't know. We're not as smart. As, I, we, we, they're smart as hell, capable. Do you know they're one of the animals that can uh, distinguish all 26 letters of the alphabet? I mean, not your average pigeon because they haven't been, you know, taught. But if you grab a pigeon and work with it, you could get them to, if you say, all right, show me the J, bang, they got it. They're one of the few animals that pass the mirror test, where if they look in a mirror, they recognize that that is themselves. They fly up to 800 miles in a single day. They can reach speeds over 60 miles per hour. These are the homing pigeons. And what some miners were able to do was inside their lunch boxes, they would, I, you know, th this is where the, this is where you got to read the book, I guess, because the review isn't going to go into all the questions you end up having. But it says here that they would hide homing pigeons inside their lunch boxes or tucked inside their clothes, and they would tie diamonds in little sacks. They would tie them on each leg and under each wing. So a, a, a bird would have four diamonds on it and be sent off. It, it, they don't explain how the, where the, but it worked. I mean, some, sometimes the, the poor birds were, were uh, so loaded down by the extra weight, there was too much weight, that um, they didn't make it. Uh, they would land somewhere. And then villagers, who might know what payload they might be carrying would just pounce. So I just wanted to share that with you. That's all I got from that is to me, it is such an amazing story in so many ways. And again, does not show human beings at our best. I just, oh my God. God. Duke Duke. Um, oh God. I'm so eager. I almost
said anxious. And by the way, speaking of words, I said fewer a few minutes ago. I want you to know, I am one of the few human beings uh, left, at least in this country, that uses that word, few or fewer. Nobody does. It is, and I've talked about it, it is for me something that is, I guess would qualify as a pet peeve. Um, Even people who are highly educated, and I mean, this is on, you know, media do it, print, they don't use fewer when that is the word to use. I don't know how to explain the rule of when you use fewer and when you use less, but there is a rule and somehow it's in my head and I just know it. I can't, why you would think I'd be able then to say, well, you would use it there, but you wouldn't use it here. And we've gotten to the point where nobody knows that rule anymore and less has beat out fewer. And so you see things like, you know, I mean, it's like chalk on a blackboard to me. Most other people, they don't even hear it. You can tell they don't hear it because less has won. And there are fewer and fewer fewers to be heard or seen. And soon fewer will just go the way of a lot of other words that we Americans, uh, where we continue to reduce the number of words the English language offers us so that we can communicate well. Uh, Yeah, we dumbed ourselves down to, I don't know why that one bothers me because I think it's a good word. And less is just so much, well, it's just less, fewer, less. Used to be at, you know, the express lane in a grocery store, I think, the Giant Eagle. I don't know what it says now. Did they, they used to have the right, they used to have a sign. I remember once seeing a sign that said, you know, 10 items or f- fewer. Or is that just in a dream I had? Because I will bet anybody that it says now 10 items or less if there is such a sign. <laughs> Anyway, that was just a, I guess that was another digression, wasn't it? All right, let's see what I got here. The problem is what I got here is sort of, oh, here's something else. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, Oh, I've got a caller. Saved by the call. Hello. Hey, Lynn, it's Jonathan. Hi, Jonathan. I am with you on the fewer things, and I think what it is, I I, I think, um, is if you can count it, it's it's fewer. In other words, and and I think the grocery stores got their acts together years ago with the express lanes, because I think originally when they started express lanes, it would say like uh, twelve items or less, and then people right. like us said, uh uh-uh, uh, uh-uh, and they changed it to. <laughs> 12 items fewer? or fewer. Yeah. Is that so what it says I, now? Really? It, yeah. It does say uh-huh. fewer? 
that's wow. in, in, in the, you know, the fancy schmancy shop and save kind of thing that I go to, not to brag, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it, they changed it okay. to, to fewer. And so I think if it's, you know, if, if you're pouring an amount, let's say, then you would, something that you can't numerically count, then it would be less. Uh, but go. if you can space them out and count them, then it's, then uh, it's fewer. fewer. Yeah. So it, I think it that's the deal. Fewer. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. So it'd be fewer people. Somebody saying, so there's less people doing this. That's wrong. It's wrong. Fewer. Right. That's, and and, and yes. it's, for some reason, it bothers me when I hear there was, yeah, there was a large amount of people. No, no, no. <laughs> you know, a large number of, of people, not a large amount of people. Amount. Amount is wrong, too. Right. 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 Yeah. It's the well, same you know, thing. Most, Jonathan, you know that most people listening to us are rolling their eyes around in their head and saying, oh, shut up. You mean they're what? still listening after this? Well, I don't know. <laughs> but I want to remind you of something yeah. that drove me crazy that you hadn't even noted. And now I suppose I, you know, I'm going to remind you of it. And it has to do with Turner Classic Movies, right? A station that we both watch a lot. Every, you, you hear it now, right? You hear it now. Every single promo has the word curated well, in it. And well, another word, you. have you noticed uh, the other word? Wait a minute. It's curated and it's iconic. <laughs> and I got to tell you, you can go from one promo where they're talking about a bunch of movies they're going to show you. And they're saying, oh, incredibly curated and uh, only the most iconic, blah, blah, blah. And then they'll go to another promo that that's about um, wine, their wine thing. And they'll say it's curated. And with <laughs> with like with iconic tasting notes or something. I don't know. I mean, I think <laughs> shut up. Well, let they, me tell you the one. real damage. Okay. The real damage you did to me, Lynn Cohen, is you okay. pointed out something that drives you nuts. And after you pointed <laughs> it out, I realized that, uh, oh, no, no. <laughs> I realized that no. I do it. And now oh. I hear it all the time. And now I try to catch myself. But you, you, you got in my head, and you, you did harm. <laughs> and that I'm is sorry. starting. You start. What is the word? You curated is the word I screwed up no, for you. Curated. Uh, no, no. What you did to me was about people starting sentence with so. So. Uh, and I you realized know. that I, I started doing that. And, you said and I, I hear myself do it, too. I hear do myself you? do it, too. Yes, I do. I want to fess up that I've heard myself do it, too. My sister, Susan, yesterday suggested that so is being replaced by look. <laughs> oh, that's, oh, yeah. Look, blah, 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 uh -huh. blah, blah. Um, and I think she suggested that comes from Biden. That he always says, look, blah, 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 blah. But she's hearing look a lot more. That's interesting. And I was listening to a, I've told you before about this language podcast called Away With Words. And somebody wrote into them and said, hey, all these old movies, uh, when I hear people say, yeah. say, why do you, and starting sentences with 
say? Why do you people do this? <laughs> right. And and this the the caller wanted to know if people really did that. And um, the linguist said yes, many people did, and that's kind of been that's kind of what so is now. Sure, that that's what so is, is now. But yeah. you just all these little the mental pauses. So it's something we do to, first of all, sort of announce our intention to say something, right? And then before we really, we just don't jump in but and I say think it. It's also, but I think it's also to give us kind of a, 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 a placeholder while we collect our, our thought, almost like a buffer if you're streaming something. You know, I, I suppose, think it's kind of a, a mental mental buffer to, you know, don't don't yeah. talk over me, I'm about to say something, so I'll say so while I collect my thoughts. Who knows? You know, I'll tell but you, back like in the day, I'll I know, back in the day when I had a real radio uh, operation, I, I mean, that iconic period of the Pittsburgh talk radio in the 80s and uh, into the 90s, uh, I was able to curate my callers. Ooh, right? how fancy. I was. Yeah. And you had I, iconic callers, I imagine. I had iconic callers. We can even name some of their names. So that, yeah, I mean, these words exist to be used when they're, uh, but yeah, I wouldn't say curate callers. You would what? You would, uh, <laughs> I oh, there is a word, yeah. I forget. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I mean, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> always a pleasure. Same to you, dear. Thank you. <laughs> Talk to you later. Bye. Oh, and happy Passover ahead of time. Oh, yeah. Happy Passover to you, too. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Yeah, guys, Passover's coming up Saturday night. Um, okay, a lot of you are writing about fewer or less because you must have found the real deal. Fewer means... Chuck says, fewer means not as many. We use fewer with countable nouns. Yes. It's a countable thing. That's what it is. For example, the cookie monster was told to eat fewer cookies. But today, I mean, most people say to eat less cookies. I'm telling you, fewer is dead. It's just dead. It's, on, it's, it's, it's in the ICU. It's on ventilation. It's just gone. Less means not as much. We use less with uncountable nouns, like milk. Could you give Cookie Monster less milk next time and fewer cookies? Thank you, Chuck. I guess it, you know, who knows? Whenever I learned this back in school, um, it stuck. It made sense to me and it stuck, but I guess most people were uh, out sick or not paying attention that day. Curtis told me all of that too. Fewer is digital. If you can count the units, you have fewer of something. Less is analog. You have less if you drain some off. Oh, God. I'm now starting to get me. Uh, fewer people make for a lesser crowd. Oh, oh, oh. Kurt says, this was a peeve in my parents' house, too. Well, I'm glad I'm not alone. <laughs> it's nice to get bent out of shape about 
things that really don't matter because there are so many things we get bent out of shape about that really do, which we feel we can't do anything about. And, you know, what's, I don't know. Not that we can do anything about this one either. Yeah. Ellen, thank you too for, for all of that. And Oh my God. Um, Barbara's saying that CBS News on last month had um, a piece on diamonds and how the diamond industry has changed dramatically since blood diamonds made headlines at the start of the century, conflict diamonds. That's something I really tuned out of, but it has to do, again, with horrible human contact, right, and conduct and exploitation of workers. Anyway, uh, a lot of diamonds now are man-made. Uh, and whatever. Uh, what we got? Uh, okay. And Ansel? wants to recall Joe Manchin. Uh, if you are against sensible reforms to make it harder for maniacs to get assault weapons, then don't lecture me about being pro-life. Yeah. Joe Manchin, who has an A rating with the NRA and an F rating from Planned Parenthood, <laughs> is going to be a big problem for Joe Biden and gun control and other issues. Even if you remove the filibuster, he's still a problem. It's not just him who's a problem. There are other Democratic uh, senators and Congress people that, well, look at them from, from uh, Western Pennsylvania. We elect uh, people to Congress all the time, so-called Democrats, who are very wishy-washy, if not, you know, it, 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 because of the love of the gun of so many of their constituents. Anyway, Ansel says the voters of West Virginia are our only hope. But Ansel, stop and think. What are the odds of if you knock Manchin out that, that that his seat would be replaced by a Democrat, next to none. West Virginia is the reddest state in the world. The only reason they elected this Democrat, and it's amazing, um, is because he stands with them on those issues. But on a whole bunch of others, he does vote with the Democrats. I think we're stuck with Manchin because of West Virginia's they're not going to elect some liberal Democrat in West Virginia. I mean, they went for Trump like by uh, almost 80 percent. I'm exaggerating a bit, but yeah, I I hear you. But we're going to have to figure out how to how to live with this guy. I think. Hey, by the way, um, and I should have dropped this into my earlier discussion about um, how American media are so negative, um, and, and that that's their sense of giving us what we 
what we want. One of the things that uh, the former president said on his way out is that the news ratings are going to tank, is what he said. He said, news ratings are going to tank if I'm not here. And that's exactly what's happened. I mean, hugely. <laughs> now, what does that tell you? First of all, there's not as much bad news, not as much sort of car wreck kind of stuff that he fed us day after day in the media, well, with the help of the media. And media knew it attracted our eyeballs. And so they kept, you know, this unholy symbiotic relationship with the former president. So when he said, if I'm not here, their ratings are going down the tubes. All right. So we're barely two months into uh, the next president's uh, reign. That's not the right word uh, term. And whoa, let me give you some numbers. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, in print, uh, I mean, well, they can, it's not print. So in the digital publications of the Washington Post or the New York Times, man, you see the number of unique visitors plummet from January to February by 26%. Um, broadcast news, same thing. He, a lot of folks who were addicted to watching CNN, MSNBC, they've tuned out. And it's hurt CNN the most. During uh, Trump, CNN built up a huge audience and surpassed, finally, Fox News. But in the last five weeks, it has lost, CNN has lost 45%, almost half of the primetime audience it had when Trump was in the White House. Trump would love this. He would, I'm sure he knows this now. He would love this. I said his name, didn't I? MSNBC's audience has dropped 26% in the same period. And Fox has fallen too, but just 6%. So it didn't see the kind of drop. And I guess this puts Fox back in the leading position since it held much more steady than CNN and MSNBC. Um, so I just got to say, that's one thing you know who was, uh, was right about. Um, you know, he might have attacked media as the enemy of the people, but boy, did he hand media money. And 
there's a whole bunch of reporters who owe him for creating the kind of environment in which their uh, profile would skyrocket. He gave them so much to write books about, to build resumes on, to, uh, yeah, to become a star themselves. So uh, I just got to say, <laughs> that's, that's one thing that he got right. Here's one thing somebody got wrong. I, you know, I'm a Jeopardy fan. Um, although I, and I had always thought, I didn't think I liked Dalek Trebek that much. I thought, I didn't think he was warm enough. And I, and now I miss him so much. I can't see straight. It turns out he really knew how to do the show, or that's just how we think the show should go. So what they've been doing is having, uh, you know, celebrities fill in and take his role. Katie Couric just did two weeks. I found it almost unbearable. She was totally, as you might expect, totally competent. But I don't know if her problem was she wasn't an Alex Trebek, which is nothing she could do about, uh, or it just, I don't know. It, it's like cognitive dissonance. And so I haven't been as uh, regular a viewer as I've been. And I did not tune in yet this week. I didn't know who the guest host was. But I just read about it. Oh, my God. Guess who's doing it this week? Dr. Oz. Dr. Effing Oz. Now, I got to tell you, apparently, this is the largest scandal in Jeopardy history, which goes back a long, long way. The Jeopardy audience is what? probably one of the brightest audiences uh, that a television show has attracted because, you know, it's about, what do you know? How much do you know? On a million subjects. And, you know, people who are educated like these kinds of games. But this Oz guy, I mean, excuse me, he was a doctor. He is a doctor. He was cardio surgeon or something. But then he became somebody who peddled, you know, ridiculous weight loss stuff. And, and I think he was, I think he was even, uh, I, I mean, just dispel, dispensing a bunch of bad, bad stuff on his own show. And he's now the host for the next two weeks. Um, I mean, he's been, te he testified before the a Senate uh, committee uh, about eight years ago for hyping dubious weight loss products. A group of doctors uh, ganged up and sent, a, you know, Columbia University uh, a, a letter saying they need to dismiss him from their medical school faculty. Um, he said on Fox News that, here's a quote. The opening of schools may only cost us two to three percent in terms of total mortality, which might be a trade-off some folks would consider. What? So I guess 
where ever jeopardy uh, i mean they can't um this is he's like Dr. Phil, uh, somebody that uh, Oprah, who I have usually high regard for, uh, unfortunately uh, created their celebrity and uh, and they're both monsters. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if they stick with them for the two weeks. If they're I mean, there's people saying, oh, I'm not watching. So people are tuning out, which only makes me say I'm tuning in. Uh, tonight, just to see how he does. I mean, I know he won't be Alex Trebek, but that's what. Uh, uh, boy, guys, I got too much stuff here, which is wonderful. Which is wonderful. Um, my problem is is. Well, here, let me, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm doing this to you. I'm I'm sitting here with all these subjects and I can see I've got three minutes and these are all pretty, pretty big. I keep, I keep avoiding, you have noticed, um, the heavy stuff, but I'll tell you, I'm the heavy stuff. Have you seen that they, they haven't been able to do uh, a big study, but early indications are that um, a whole bunch of Americans have gained uh, as much as two pounds, almost two pounds a month during the pandemic. I, I don't think I was that bad, but I am definitely bigger <laughs> than I used to be. Um, No, I don't want to talk about it. Well, I'll, I'll just get it. You know what? I'm going to say this so I can just rip it up and throw it out. That That's what I'm going to do. I don't want to, but I'm going to do it. Um, this is just a quote I saw from a guy I loathe. Um, I mean, in terms of what I know of him. His name is Tony Perkins, and I'm not talking about uh, the psycho actor. And I'm talking about Tony Perkins, the president of the Family Research Council. <laughs> I like to see the research they, that they do. This is an ultra right wing so-called Christian organization and um, full on Trump. So he was talking to a whole bunch of his own um and trying to uh, ameliorate their the suffering they were feeling after the uh defeat of their uh leader and he told the crowd this we've got 106 election related bills that are in 28 states right now. By the way, those numbers have gone up since he said that. So here's the good news, he says. And it was this line that just made me blow a gasket. So here's the good news, this godly man said. There is action, action taking place to go back and correct what was uncovered in this last election. 
what was uncovered in this last <laughs> what was uncovered in the last election you know what was uncovered too many black people voted too many we got to get rid of these things that allow these black people to vote Get rid of Sunday voting, get rid of this, get rid of that. Give me just totally, I know it might cost us a few votes too, but overwhelmingly, man, this is going to save us. It is the only way that we can survive. <laughs> what this last election uncovered. It uncovered that your party is not a national party, and it ain't ever going to win. in a fair fight. Okay, quickly, Beth has written. We are stuck, she's in West Virginia. We're stuck with Mansion. We might have a shot of getting them out after Milan closes in Morgantown later this summer. The Morgantown area where WVU is, has always gone blue. Well, sure, but we have been the only county to go for Hillary and for Biden in West Virginia, all the others. Trump. The mansions are a fixture in this state, unfortunately. They have mines, they have law firms, they have flooring companies. Until recently, his lovely daughter, Heather, was the president of Milan. Mansion was governor. Uh, our other senator was the daughter of one of our convicted governors. We are long from the days of having Bird and Rockefeller. Yeah, it ain't going to happen. And I, I'm saying he would not be replaced. Oh, dear. Bob says, you mentioned a show you did in the 90s on WQEX. I kept saying QED, but I mean, they're both in the same building, right? QEX, it was, which you were, pair, were paired with Ann Devlin. Well, I fondly remember the Colin Devlin show. <laughs> What? Mostly for the opening and closing instrumental that was so funky. It even made me want to smoke some pot. I don't even remember the music. Huh. Oh, dear. Well, don't tell Anne. She must have known I was stoned. I'm sorry. And uh, I, I, I must say that, um, yeah, I did hear from little Tony saying he Thoroughly enjoyed uh, that story. You know, every once in a while, someone will tell you the truth, the unvarnished truth. And that's one of the reasons I've always been a bit of a hot potato in broadcasting, because I'm prone to, in as much as I'm aware of the truth, to tell it. That's it. All right, I've gone over. I got to get the hell out of here. I got things to do, places to see and go and whatever. Um, I'm getting my windows cleaned. Everybody knows a good handyman. Will you please let me know? I'm serious. I am desperate. I'm leaving. Goodbye. Lynn Cullen Live. Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints 
a Pittsburgh City paper or its advertisers.